everyone, and welcome to Women Who Travel, a podcast from Condé Nast Traveller. I'm Lale Arakoglu, and with me, as always, is my co-host Meredith Carey. Hello. This week, we're answering the questions you've been asking on Instagram and in our Facebook group. To help us dole out advice, a traveller's transportation editor, Jessica Puckett. Hi. And articles director, Stephanie Wu. Hey, guys. Before we get into the questions that our listeners asked, I'd love to know when you both are planning your first big trips back out there. I feel like I've been just anxiously awaiting this moment when I can plan my next big trip for so long now. And I'm still very cautiously optimistic, but for me, you know, I'm looking toward late summer, maybe late July, early August for, I would call it like a shorter trip. So maybe Caribbean, maybe Mexico. And then I'm really going like whole hog on next Christmas and thinking about that right now, because I think it's our best bet for a truly larger family gathering. Jess, how about you? Yeah, I'm kind of thinking the same thing, Stuff Actually, my family is planning a sort of reunion in the Caribbean, hopefully for July. Um, we have targeted St. Lucia. My dad has planned this all with like cancel for any reason insurance, all of this stuff. So like very, very optimistically hoping this happens. Um, but I have noticed it like makes such a difference just having like whether this happens or not, just having something to look forward to and maybe look up what there is to do in St. Lucia or restaurants or things like that. And it just really has improved my mood. I mean, I feel like, Steph, you have the most like post-travel glow of any of us because you have taken a big trip recently. How are you feeling now almost a month after what was a month-long trip to Taiwan to see your family? I feel like it just having that reset and being away and then coming back was like a total game changer for my mood and also helps is helping me get through the winter. And I know that I'm super lucky to have had that, but I'm totally with Jess in that, like I'm a planner. And so like, I get excited by planning. So the thing that is really keeping me going and like, as you guys can see right now, I'm smiling. It's because I can think about future travels and what is on the horizon and have something to really look forward to. And I pretty much would say I'm always thinking about when my next trip is, which I'm sure podcast listeners are as well. Wait, Meredith, what, what are you planning? Have you let yourself plan yet? I feel like I have not let myself pick a specific trip yet to like settle on and really start planning, but I'm definitely thinking about the summer. I'm thinking about the fall. I'm thinking about using all my vacation days really wisely and planning, you know, maybe a couple like full week trips. I haven't decided where yet, but we'll see. How about you? Well, I think the one, you know, other than going home, would, well, yeah, actually, <laughs> well, um, my mum just got her vaccine today. <laughs> so um, I was texting her about once she's had her second dose and both my parents have. I was like, maybe I can actually book a flight for right after then. It's starting to feel real. Anyway, my best friend was supposed to get married in the Caribbean last April. And now that wedding has been pushed to November. So I think regardless of what I'm going to try and do in the summer, where I'm, which I'm also seeing on my timeline is the first time I can take like a good international trip, is, is going to be Antigua in November. And I feel like this wedding has been postponed 
and postponed. And everyone who is attending that wedding, this trip is like their lifeline at the moment to get them through <laughs> the next few months. And I think it's going to be totally wild. Um, but I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Meredith. I feel overwhelmed by choice in a way. It's like we're going from having nowhere to go to suddenly having an, we will at some point have an overwhelming number of options. And I feel like I've been thinking so small recently and like still taking trips to where, you know, places I can drive or like much smaller domestic mm-hmm. trips, not even like big week long domestic trips, but like little long weekend trips. Um, and I think I just need to like really shift my thinking for the second half of this year to go big. And for others who are kind of in a similar boat, I think one key is, you know, the where is important, but the who is so important as well. And I've had this like weekly Zoom call with my college friends ever since March, frankly, I'm, I'm incredibly impressed that we've kept it going. And we've recently started talking about what does a fall trip look like where we just all leave from our respective home bases and meet somewhere convenient and we don't really care where. We just want a house or Airbnb where we can all hang out and be together. And that's really going to be the driving impetus behind planning what looks like it could be a September or October trip as opposed to how I used to plan trips, which was I really want to go somewhere I've never been before. And then you tell people that you're going there and then maybe they'll hop on, but not the other way around. Exactly. (laughs) I think that's such an interesting point. I think that when we're looking ahead to these first trips, the destination is oddly, I don't think, going to be the priority for most people. I think it is going to be about who you're with and how you're able to get people together. And then the destination is almost like an added perk at the end. Um, This kind of goes into our first question from Greta in the Facebook group, which was, you know, looking to the future, um, which is what research do you guys do to get familiar with a new destination before you travel? What are your like go to's beyond the actual trip planning? I mean, for me, definitely it's things to do and at the top of my list are restaurants, bars, that type of thing. I will also, if there's a foreign language, I will try to learn at least a few phrases or put some things together because I feel like that opens a lot of doors or kind of like ingratiates you in a way that is really fun and warm. Um, But yeah, I would say definitely like looking at planning my meals is my major go-to. I actually think this is a great example of how COVID is really changing things for the long term in ways that we haven't previously thought of before. Because when I think about my answer to this question, my brain does go to the first thing I'm thinking about is checking on various countries or states or destinations and seeing, you know, like how they've protected their citizens during the pandemic and what's their track record with vaccinations and, and, and safety and all of that suddenly has become a huge priority to me. And I don't think that's going away anytime soon. But aside from that, I'm like, Jess, I do a ton of research. Um, I'll plot out like the top places where I want to go and make sure I'm staying in a neighborhood that's convenient. I'll check with friends or experts who have visited recently or those that live there. And then if I'm visiting a city, I almost always try and sign up for a walking tour on the first day or so just to get a good lay of the land and meet a local who can share their own recommendations with me as well. I feel like something that I've been finding myself doing more recently and I don't know if you can speak to this, Jess, because I know you love foreign language TV too, but I feel like I have been watching tons of shows and movies set in the places that I 
want to go, a ton of Brazilian shows, a ton of Spanish language shows. I don't know. I feel like I am going to begin this evening, very exciting, my foray into K-dramas. So buckle up, everyone. But I... I feel like that has given me such a sense of place that I've been looking for and has really inspired the places that I think I want to go because all I'm doing right now is just like consuming content in books and TV shows and movies. That is definitely true for me too. Like, especially the streaming, I went on a huge kick of like Scandinavian political dramas and crimes and stuff. And it was just like, oh, I mean, that doesn't sound like the biggest travel drama, like watching a crime <laughs> show, but... I was just like, oh, I want I need to go to Norway. I need to see like all this Nordic architecture and all this stuff. I love doing that. Yeah. I mean, it certainly speaks to the fact that anything could inspire a trip. And especially now, like it's like one incredible dish that you get, you know, take out from a restaurant or just like one excellent TV series. And that can kind of be the kickoff for a whole destination getaway. Priya Krishna wrote a story for us a few weeks ago where she spoke to a whole range of uh, female chefs about the places that they can't wait to eat. And for me, that was like such great just travel inspiration and, and made me think about the restaurants that I want to basically plan a vacation around. And I think going back to that point about researching food and researching the restaurants and the like markets and all the places where you just want to like eat your way through is a huge part of planning a trip for me and also just getting excited about the trip and making it feel real. I love to, when I start to kind of map out what I'm going to eat, to actually put pins in the map on my phone so that when I'm on the ground, firstly, I'm not met by the sort of overwhelming blankness of option again. I feel like I keep going back to this thing of having too many options, but you sort of forget all the research you've done. And then also, if you do end up turning the data off on your phone, you can actually still see where you want to go eat, which is a very handy tool for me. So speaking of travel inspiration, we actually had a similar question from both Zita and Jennifer in the Facebook group, um, asking how to plan a milestone birthday and how to get inspiration for planning a milestone birthday trip. And I personally have actually never planned one for myself or someone else. I'm interested to know that any of you have. I love that you guys are thinking about this because this is exactly where we are as editors in terms of thinking about travel priorities for when we all are back out there a little bit more is like, what are the main reasons we'll be traveling? And do we think that traveling to see family and traveling to celebrate a milestone, whether that's a birthday or a honeymoon or a postponed baby moon or family reunion, whatever it might be, is one of the main reasons that will get everybody um, back out there again. So in February this month, we've got a big package coming out on celebration travel that's dedicated to all of this with tons of incredible ideas for birthday trips. Um, maybe you're celebrating 41 instead of 40 because you had to wait um, an extra year, but that doesn't mean your celebration should be any less special. Um, we've got ideas, we've got expert advice. We've got step-by-step um, -step planning guides for the most stressful things like family reunions where you have to deal with, you know, young children and perhaps grandparents with very varying needs. So we've got you covered. Um, we'll make sure there's a, a link in the show notes. But just to speak a little bit more to personal experience, I planned a big milestone birthday for a group of friends and myself a few years back. And we just started essentially by thinking about what our biggest travel priorities were 
And we knew that because we were all coming from a bunch of different places, we wanted to be living in the same space so that we could spend as much time as possible together. And that meant essentially renting a huge villa that could house 12 of us and still be at a destination that allowed for plenty of adventures. So we reached out to villa specialists and settled on south of Spain, which was fantastic. Um, we prioritized having a villa with a pool because we wanted to be able to hang out at the villa all day and not feel too much pressure to go on day trips, which we obviously did as well, just because that area where we were in Ronda um, allowed us to get to Malaga and Seville um, and all these other places. So I think when you when it comes to planning a trip, think about you know who you're going to be traveling with. Maybe it's an incredible solo trip and you're just slurging on yourself, or maybe you're going with a big group of friends like I did. And then start there, then think about the destination, and then don't overpack your schedule because you're celebrating and you want to leave some room for spontaneity. You want to leave some room for late nights out when we can do that again and sleeping in and all of that. So that's how I would approach kind of these these bigger, more exciting, like bigger budget trips, essentially. I love this gallery that Rachel Chang put together for us that has specific birthday ideas. We're recording this in what will be the past for you. And I think the package went up yesterday uh, in the future, but this story about birthday ideas. I liked what you were saying, Steph, if it's your 41st birthday, don't limit yourself to only, you know, being able to celebrate your 40th. But the 40th suggestion is like a food tour extravaganza of Naples. And I mean, I turned 30 in two years and I am fully expecting all of my friends to come with me on that trip. I think given that we're the last year feels a little bit like a lost year, I think it's perfectly reasonable to just stay 40 for an extra year. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of people like, you know, just deciding to be like, that didn't count. I'm going to do it again. I think eating pizza through Naples sounds like the best possible way to celebrate turning 40. So I'm in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually turned 30 this year, not till December, but it is this year. And as you all know, I famously had to cancel my Italy trip <laughs> when COVID first struck. So that sounds amazing to me. Somewhere like warm south of Italy eating pizza and pasta, that might have to go on my list as well. Ugh, sounds like the dream. Man, I have December birthdays. I have one too. They're the best. Also, if listeners are interested, Steph and myself have the same birthday. <laughs> same birthday. <laughs> we have the same hot middle of summer birthday, and these other two have cold December birthdays, and I think we win. Yes, and we also share our birthday with Prince George and Selena Gomez, so... <laughs> Wow, everyone will be able to wish you happy birthday now because they can Google your birthday. As um, they should. <laughs> I have never planned a major birthday trip, mostly because of the time my birthday falls. I really enjoy being able to spend it with my family and then celebrate it again with my friends when I come back to the city after Christmas. Um, and then probably celebrate it again in January just for kicks. But I will say I also love my half birthday because it is in the middle of the summer and when I was growing up for a short time in Florida it meant that I could have a pool party if I celebrated my half birthday instead of my actual birthday so this year in June that is when I'm thinking in the summer of taking some sort of celebration trip is to celebrate being 28 and a half because it feels like a worthwhile time to celebrate 
Not that we need any more reasons to travel, but I think that this is the year of finding every possible reason to celebrate something and just enjoy kind of these freedoms that we've been missing for a little bit. And I love the idea of just not even needing a reason, just getting out there and, and planning that big trip. I'm just going to list out some of the other suggestions that Rachel made for birthdays, which range from Costa Rica to Memphis to going on a Mississippi River cruise to the Berkshires, go all out in Patagonia or the Galapagos. You really have the whole world to choose from. And it, it can be just such a fun time to travel. Another way to travel that maybe isn't solo travel, but is all about you. So happy medium. I think the message is be kind to yourself yeah. <laughs> and do something nice for yourself. I want to get into more logistic-y questions now that we've gotten some inspo knocked out. Ronya messaged us on Instagram and asked what the best way to get a COVID test within 48 hours is because so many countries, including the U.S., are requiring them now to return. Steph, I know you have traveled recently. I have also traveled recently and had to get tested ahead of travel. But what is your advice? So Mayor knows a lot more about kind of the all the hotels and all the different regulations that are going on. But my biggest advice, so I'll start big and I'll let her fill in some more details. My biggest advice, of course, is to check with your um, travel specialist or whoever is planning your trip or check with the hotel you're staying at. They will have up-to-date guidelines and they'll be tapped in on kind of local resources where you can get a test, how much it's going to cost, how quickly that test will come back to you. All of these are important factors for whatever paperwork you have to show at the airport. And then most importantly, I think this is often overlooked, make sure you're getting the results in a language that is accepted by your destination country. Um, almost pretty much every country will, will state that or any hospital, I should say, will state that they'll do the results in English, but you should always double check whatever entry requirements are as well. A lot of, like Steph was saying, a lot of hotels and resorts will know the best place for you to go, but a lot of them are actually now offering uh, testing on site. So a lot of resorts in the Caribbean and in South America are offering on-site COVID tests, usually at a small fee, anywhere between like 50 and $150. Um, some hotels are even offering credits to guests, which will cover the cost of those tests. So those credits you could either use towards the test or use towards an upgrade. It's really up to you. Um, but a lot of places are now offering testing, knowing that to get back into most of North America, um, so Canada and the US, and then other countries in Europe, you know, really, everywhere actually uh is is a lot of places are requiring tests so most hotels in the caribbean and resorts will be able to help you without you having to necessarily even leave your room um, or the property the other thing i will say is there are a number of states hawaii new york alaska who are requiring testing either to enter or to get out of a extended quarantine and again i would look to local news sources to help you find out the best place um, to get them where you are. And I think a few more points just to be aware of these rules and these guidelines are constantly changing. So you do want to be checking them pretty regularly before you get on a plane. And, you and know, we, during we, your trip, honestly, during your trip, <laughs> um, you know that 
we've talked about this a little bit, but certainly, you know, even if you've got a negative test, you might want to consider quarantining for a few days once you get somewhere just to be utterly safe and make sure no symptoms develop after you travel. So I think it's it's all about personal comfort level. I personally err on the side of being super cautious, um, especially having been to Taiwan, like we talked about earlier, where um, the quarantine rules are incredibly strict. But I think you want to, you know, should you need to travel, I think you want to make sure you're really staying safe, protecting yourself, protecting everyone around you and those you might come into contact with. You know, I think to someone who hasn't done any travel in the past year, hearing all this can, I imagine, sound a little bit overwhelming. What would you say to people who are maybe having to take a trip for some reason and just feel totally daunted by this process? I would just say take it one piece at a time. Don't feel too overwhelmed with what your airline saying, what the destination is saying, all of that especially like a travel specialist can help if you have the resources for that. Um, as Steph was saying, they can help you, you know, research the local guidelines, kind of coordinate all this stuff for you. And from an airline airport perspective, they are really kind of creating all these new online tools, online apps to help keep track of all these guidelines and restrictions for the destinations where you're going. And they're even doing things like helping you find test sites around the world. United Airlines is launching something later this month that um, it's basically a directory of 15,000 acceptable testing sites in all their markets where they fly um, to help you kind of keep track of all this. Delta has also launched something similar on its website. So I think there are a lot of resources that you can use to kind of synthesize all this information um, and not feel so overwhelmed by it all. I would also just say, um, I know that in both of these cases, we've been talking about trips that you need to take, um, but both the State Department and the CDC are still saying as of the time of recording that we should be reconsidering non-essential travel abroad and also postponing trips um, just for the safety of ourselves and those around us. So if you need to take a trip, please be as well educated as possible about what you need to do to actually get there and get home. Speaking of flying travel requirements, Donna in the group was curious what everyone in the group was thinking about potential vaccine passports, immunity certificates um, used to prove that you've had both doses of the COVID vaccine um, and what that could mean for travel and entry into countries around the world. As someone who has traveled with her yellow fever vaccine card for years, I don't think it's that wild, but would love to know what you guys think. I think it's going to happen. I think it will be a requirement and we're already seeing it pop up in different places in the world. Um, Europe, especially like Denmark and Sweden, they have kind of already previewed their plans for requiring this of their citizens and uh, from travelers. You know, Qantas, uh, the Australian airline, um, their CEO said at the end of last year that they're looking into adding a vaccine passport requirement to their terms and conditions. So I kind of feel like once the legal hurdles have been cleared, then it will be very widespread. Um, from a U.S. airline perspective, we're seeing um, kind of like the addition of health apps, not necessarily for vaccine proof of vaccine yet. Um, it's more for the negative COVID 
test results, um, things like Verifly or Common Pass. Um, a lot of airlines in the US are collaborating with these two, but all these apps do have the capabilities to show your vaccine status, your vaccine results as well. So I think they're kind of preparing and once it's legal and kind of figured out, those switch will flip and it will be required. I have to say it's so heartening to see countries and airlines really taking the lead again on how are you going to protect flight crew and workers and citizens. Um, and also, you know, last month, President Biden called on various departments to kind of work together on looking at what a, a similar vaccine passport or immun immunity certificate might look like here in the U.S. So there's definitely work being done. Um, what I'm most curious to see is how countries might change their tourism policies as well as they vaccinate their own populations. So for instance, the Seychelles is a good example. They're currently open to Americans only if you're vaccinated. However, they as a country are projecting that the majority of their adults will be vaccinated by mid-March. And at that point, they plan to open much more fully to tourism. So obviously, smaller population, it's an island, it's easier to control. But I think we'll see a lot of movement toward the countries that feel that they are able to protect themselves from the virus, kind of rethinking tourism in the months ahead. It's also just kind of like say, we were saying about how testing and that whole process can sound really overwhelming and sort of take it one step at a time. And, you know, the sort of the phrase vaccine passport, I think, can also sound very daunting. It feels like this unknown thing that we've never had to navigate before. But, you know, Meredith, as you pointed out, there are plenty of countries which you have to show proof of vaccination when you arrive. If you apply for a visa, you have to say which vaccinations you've had. And it also, to travel to certain countries for your own safety, you want to be vaccinated before you go there. So it, it actually isn't new. If you told me six months ago that we would be recording a podcast where we're talking about the vaccine, I think I would have like burst into <laughs> tears. Like it is extraordinary that we're at this point. It's exciting. I think the fact that we're talking about vaccine passports is exciting. It shows that we're going to have the freedom to move around again. Okay, so, you know, I think anyone who's listened to this podcast knows how terrible I am when it comes to money and credit cards. Someday um, you're not going <laughs> to, you're going to have learned so much from being the host of I this know, podcast think, that you won't have to say that anymore. I'm armed with the tools at this point. <laughs> um, but uh, Rachel in the group dropped a question in asking, what's the best credit card to get that offers travel rewards on flights and hotels and so on? Um, also says, would love something that can help me fly with Delta cheaper. I don't know if that's possible, but Jess, I feel like you probably have a few thoughts on this. Yes. So if you're looking to earn points, you know, across both airlines and hotels, you're going to want a credit card that's really flexible and has transferable points. So the two big ones that I really like are, well, I guess the two big banks that I really like that these cars come from are Chase and American Express. Um, they are really flexible. They have a ton of transfer partners through airlines, hotels, all the big ones. Um, if you really are interested in Delta specifically, you would want to do an Amex card. They have the co-brand agreement with Amex. Um, so that would be, you know, Amex Platinum or Amex Gold. I personally just got the Amex Gold this year, or I guess it was the end of last year, and I'm loving it. Um, I'm ordering in a lot and of course like buying groceries and those are both bonus points. They, uh, the Amex Gold earns four points uh, per dollar spent in both of those. 
It does come with a $250 annual fee, but I think with all the perks that you get and the absolute just like crazy amount of points that you earn on these categories makes it worth it. So maybe look into that. Um, and then of course, Delta does have specific airline cards. Um, so if you're looking for things like priority boarding and access to their lounges, I would look into those. Yeah, I was going to say, um, obviously, Jess's advice is great. And I think there are, as she mentioned, specific Delta cards that you can get that help you rack up miles really quickly so that when you're ready to book, you can hopefully offset a lot of that expense by using the accrued miles. But as always, with all things credit cards, you know, you want to make sure that you can pay off every bill. And ideally, you want to make sure you have some kind of big purchase coming in that allows you to take advantage of that um, welcome offer. So some kind of big purchase you can make in the next few months so that you can get that welcome offer and then start thinking about how you can put all those bonus smiles to good use. And we've got tons of guides on the website for, you know, how to use Chase Ultimate Rewards or how to use Amex points and kind of maximize them. So you're not just offsetting costs, but you're actually getting the best possible value. And it all gets a little like nerdy and very numbers focused, but it does sound like, Rachel, you're someone who wants to get to know this world and, and dip a toe into it. So I think having a flight to look forward to as the reason why you're doing all this is a, is a great reason to kind of jump into the world of credit cards. Well, thank you both for your great advice. If people want to follow your summer and fall journeys, where can they find you on social media? Steph? I'm at by Steph Wu. I'm on Twitter at Just Puck. I'm at Oh Hey There Mayor. You can find me at Lale Hanna. And before we wrap up the episode, we're passing the mic to you, the listeners, to find out where you're dreaming of traveling to when this is all over. This week, we're hearing from women with their sights set on Poland and India. I'll let them take it from here. Hi, ladies. My name is Lydia. I am based in Beaufort, South Carolina. And once travel reopens, I am excited to return to Jaipur, India, to be with the man I love. My name is Karolina. I'm Polish. Uh, however, I'm currently based in Florida. On the last podcast couple of you mentioned that one of the first trips you're going to do is just simply to your hometowns, visiting your, your friends and your family. And I think that's exactly what I'm going to do because I haven't seen my family for over a year. So hello, Poland. That's going to be my first trip. Hey, this is Suzanne from Omaha. So I have a silly goal to see all five rhino species in the wild. I know this is going to be very difficult once we get to the last couple, um, but I'm hoping beyond hope that my first trip back out there will be to Kazaranga National Park in India. I was on a three-week photo safari last year before COVID-19 really amped up and the pandemic caught up with us as we were going into week three. We had to leave the country and I never got the chance to see those Indian rhinos. I know I shouldn't complain. I saw some incredibly beautiful parts of India. The wildlife was spectacular. I had unbelievable food and I met some really great people. My tour group all made it home safe to our different parts of the world. Nobody got COVID, but my trip was incomplete and I just feel it in my soul. 
Thanks, Steph and Jess, for joining us. And thanks to everyone who sent in their big trip ideas for 2021. If you want to hear yourself on an upcoming episode of Women Who Travel, send a voice memo with your name, where you're from, and where you're going when it's safe to get back out there to womenwhotravel at cntraveler.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at womenwhotravel, join our Facebook group, and subscribe to the newsletter. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.